Uh, Stu said it was a couple of months this morning, but I think it's a bit longer than that. Um, <clears throat> so we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 today, and my references to the Bible in my talk are from the ESV, uh, just because that's what we used up at Kempsey. So if it's a little bit different, don't be like, oh, this is a different passage. It's the same passage, just a couple of different words. How about we start by praying? Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we want to thank you for today. Thank you for this time where we can meet as your people gathered around your word. And we do pray, Lord, that as we read it, that we would have been encouraged, encouraged to live out our faith and encouraged to serve one another and encouraged to persevere in the faith as we wait for Jesus' return. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, I grew up thinking that I was a Christian. I was baptised as a baby. Uh, my family attended church at Easter and Christmas time. I went to Sunday school. And from years four to year 12, I attended chapel every week. And I thought it was a great time of catching up with sleep. And um, during this time, uh, I also, in year 11, I went to confirmation classes. And uh, I was told, my parents told me, there's a great opportunity so you can marry into the church. Now, I thought, this is what a Christian is. This is what made me a Christian. And yet, it wasn't until I went to Newcastle University after I finished school, I lived on campus, four years on campus, where I met other Christians. Now, these other Christians were different to me. See, they lived a different life to me. I lived like everyone else on campus. Lived to my pleasures, my desires, did what I liked. I, f- I followed my pleasures. I followed m- my comforts. And they lived a different life to me. And so I was confused. You see, if I was a Christian and they were Christians, why were we so different? Why do we live such different lives? Which begs the question, what makes a Christian a Christian? What are the marks of a Christian? Well, today in today's passage, we're looking at this kind of question, um, <clears throat> which looks exactly uh, uh, this issue. What makes a Christian a Christian as opposed to someone who's not a Christian? Now, we've just read through uh, 10 verses of chapter 1, and it's a really positive chapter. It, it's full of thankfulness, it's full of joy, success, hope, and this positive tome actually marks the whole book. It's a really, quite a different letter to many of the others that Paul has written. We've got asked the question, why is it so different? Well, it all has to do with what happened in Thessalonica only a few months before. You see, something happened in the city of Thessalonica, which caused Paul to write this letter to the Thessalonian church. So it's chapter, what we're going to do, we're going to have a look at it on the screen Acts chapter 17, I think it's on the screen, Acts chapter 17, and you can also look in the Bibles on page 782, and it goes like this. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue, and as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days... He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that Jesus, that the Messiah had to suffer 
and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here as Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others postborn and let them go. We'll stop there. It was a bit weird reading up on the screen, just so you know there's a screen up there. I haven't memorised the passage off by heart. I haven't done that before. I just felt a little bit weird. That's all right. This is the background. Okay, so this is the background. What we've just read is the background to the letter that Paul has written a few months later. So Paul comes into the city with Silas, preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people respond in faith. Men and women come together and form a church. Now, Paul was actually going to stay in Thessalonica to encourage these young Christians, to nurture them, but was forced to move on because of the persecution. Look, he longed to stay there. He he knew that these new Christians needed to grow. They're, They're only three weeks old, baby Christians. And so being Paul being out of the city now, he's anxious. He's anxious for these guys. Will they stand firm in the faith? And we can have a look on the screen on uh, chapter 3, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5, it says this. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and our labours might have been in vain. I think the next one is all. No, that's it. Now, there are many other verses like this in the whole letter. The letters that show that he's so relieved. He was anxious, but now he's relieved because he's heard great news from them. Now, a few months ago, Jonathan, my son, my seven-year-old son, myself, we watched David Attenborough. We love watching David Attenborough shows. And this particular one was about a wildebeest giving birth. And this baby was a really vulnerable, precious time, a fragile time for this baby wildebeest because not far off were a pack of hyenas. And so this baby wildebeest literally had minutes to be born, be born, get up on its feet and start running for its life. And look, I'm, I'm getting anxious. Johnny's anxious. We're at the edge of our seats thinking, Will this baby wildebeest survive? I'm, I'm probably more anxious for Johnny, seeing, fearing that he's going to see a bloodbath and have nightmares that night and me have to explain to Roz why he nightma- has nightmares. But 
the baby gets up on its feet and outruns the hyenas, only minutes old. And we're relieved. We are relieved that, that this baby is alive and well. Joy fills our hearts. We're overjoyed. And I, I, I feel that this is what Paul is feeling as this church starts up and he's forced to leave and he's anxious and he's wondering, are they going to stay firm or will they crumble? And yet hearing back from Timothy, he sends Timothy all the way, hear this great news, Timothy comes back, great news, they're safe, they're thriving. And so, friends, let's have a look at, let's open the Bible again, have a look, and we'll go through the passage together. So let's have a look in verse 1. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our words are a little bit different with the ESV and NIV. So Paul, the first thing he does, he thanks God for the Thessalonians' faith. Their faith, their love, and their hope. And he thanks God because he can see that. He can see their faith and hope and love in actions. When th- those few weeks that he was there, he saw it. Timothy has seen their faith, hope, and love. Now, faith, hope, and love. You can't, you can't see these attributes by themselves, can you? He, he can, but he can see their love because they labour. They labour. He can see their faith because of their works, their works that they produce. He can see their hope because they persevere in the faith, following Jesus. Their actions show their faith, their love and their hope. You see, how do you really know that I have faith in Jesus Christ, that I I trust him as my saviour and my Lord? Look, I could say, I could just say it, but you don't really know, do you? Rather, how do you know that I have faith in Jesus? Well, I show it by what I do, I, how I live my life. How, how do you know that I have hope in Jesus Christ, that he'll, he'll save me from my sins? Well, I could say that I, I put my hope in Jesus, but you couldn't really know it, could you? Unless you see me persist in following Jesus persevering in following Jesus, continuing a life in following Jesus. That's how you know that people have faith in Jesus. That's how you know that they have love. These are the things that they're seen, faith, hope and love, they're seen. They're not just said. And as Paul, Silas and Timothy saw the Thessalonians' faith in action, it actually told Paul something else about him. So have a look in your Bible again at verse 4. Verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in words, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. 
See, when Paul and Silas, they, they came into Thessalonica, they opened up their Bible, explained the gospel, an amazing thing happened. You know, for some of these men and women that were there, all they heard was just Paul speaking. But for others, they heard the words of God. Yes, it was through a man that this message was spoken, but they heard God himself speak to them. The Holy Spirit was working. And when these men and women, they heard this, the, the words of God, what happened was that God was choosing them, choosing them to believe in him and to follow him. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Uh, I remember when I first became a Christian during university, uh, I was meeting up with a man um, who worked for the church, the local church. Uh, we met, met up every week and I'd share with him my life, uh, the things that I'd struggle with, uh, faith issues, just life issues. And I distinctly remember on a period of several Sundays, I felt like the preacher, in, the, in amongst of a church of about 200 people, I felt like the preacher was speaking directly at me. See, I wasn't familiar with how church, church things went. I, I didn't know that people just uh, preached through a Bible. Um, and, but what I was thinking was this man who I met up with each week would go to the preacher and say, hey, James is struggling with these issues. You should preach on this this week. I thought the whole thing was a conspiracy. But it, in fact... What it was, was God speaking to me in power, in the, Holy, in the Holy Spirit, with full conviction. So friends, here, what we've got here is from verse 2 to 5, we've got an account of what happened behind the scenes as Paul's preached the word. People have, uh, people have heard the word, they've believed in Jesus Christ. God has called him people to himself. They have faith, hope and love which are expressed in actions. So how were they to live now? You know, particularly, particularly how were they to live and to relate with the community around them? You know, with, I'm sure that many would have, would have known the people around them. How were they to relate to them now that they're following Jesus? Well, even though Paul and Silas... Uh, had an early departure. There were a period of three weeks where Paul was there and what he did, he showed this new church how to live as a Christian. He modelled their faith. So take a look in verse 6 with me, verse 6 to 8 in your Bible. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord and you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only, was the, has, not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. See, Paul and Silas, they, they modelled the Christian faith to this church. And in modelling their faith, these new, new believers, they themselves became models 
for other peoples. The, the, the church in um, Achaia and Macedonia, the Thessalonian church became models for them. See, other Christians were looking at them and wondering, okay, how do we live now since we've, we've trusted Jesus? What does it look like? And so it, it was a modelling. It was a modelling and following. So, friends, what did Paul and Silas model to the church? What did Paul and Silas model to the church? Take another look in verse 6 with me. Verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. See, what was modelled to them was how they actually received the message. And how they received the message was with joy, despite the persecution. Remember Acts chapter 17, a mob has formed, a riot has started. Jason's dragged out of his house. And yet they've received the message with joy, with joy and deep conviction. Now, this kind of suffering, this persecution was exactly what Paul experienced, isn't it? Was we lead through the book, read through the book of Acts. He was flogged, nearly stoned to death. It's exactly what happened to Jesus. Jesus is, is the one that gave the original message. He, he is who the message is about. The persecution that he suffered is the original message that is handed to us today. Now, all this talk about modelling faith kind of begs the question. You know, we've heard about how they, how they modelled the faith and it was with joy, but what does the faith look like? What, what is this faith? Well, take a look at verse 9 with me. Verse 9. For they themselves reported concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from death, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. See, this is the message. This is the nuts and bolts, the message that they received with joy. This is what I saw when I went up to Newcastle University. This is what I saw in those Christians. These, these Christians who received the message, had the message with joy, despite persecution. So as we look at this passage, verse 9, let's t- we'll t- take another look at it again. Well, there's th- two things that they did. Firstly, they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's the first thing. That is, before they heard the message, they were serving idols. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but when I think of idol worship, I think of people who are bowing down into statues. We don't see that typically uh, in this day and age. But it reminds me of things like the golden calf. Israelites worship the golden calf. But we see a different type of idolatry in, in, our, in our culture today. It's when we put anything above God. Money, family, health, relationships, our career, our pleasure, our egos. 
And it's, it's a good question where we, where we should ask, what are the idols that we are tempted in our life? And will we turn from these idols to follow the living and true God? See, the moment God shows these believers this, and to believe this good news of Jesus, they turned. They turned from serving themselves, serving these worthless idols, and started to serve God. Then what did they do? Well, verse 10, let's have a look at verse 10. Verse 10 says that they started to walk, started to wait for God's Son, Jesus, from heaven. And why did they start to wait from Jesus? Because Jesus is the one who delivers them and delivers all Christians from the wrath to come. There's a judgment day that will come. And Jesus is the one who is to deliver us. Friends, what we read today are the nuts and bolts of the Christian faith. We express our love in our labour for one another. We express our hope in enduring and following, persevering to follow Jesus Christ. We express our, express our love as we labour for, other, for others. Now, friends, for, for me, sometimes I get tired of producing good works. I get tired of loving people. That it's, it's actually easy to say, well, I've done my time. I've done my time serving the church. Friends, this is never the case for Christians. The love that God has shown on us is to energise us to love one another. Without knowing God's love and dwelling on his love for us, that depletes our love for others. It depletes our capacity to do good works. Friends, we we also need to be modelling the faith to each other. Modelling the faith to the next generation, the the, the children next door, modelling what it means to follow Jesus. See, I need to be modelling to you, you need to be modelling the faith to me. Friends, all these things are what marks out a Christian. See, I thought it was the fact that I was baptised, I was confirmed, went to church, Christmas is the most important times of the year, Christmas and Easter. Well, I discovered that it's nothing to do with these. You see, I observed these Christians living on campus, living for Jesus, how they lived, and it was no different to the Thessalonians 2,000 years ago. And for us to live as Christians is no different to the Thessalonians 2,000 years ago. They showed their faith, their hope, their love, all driven, motivated, motivated by Jesus. Not living for this world. They turned from their idols and they waited for Jesus' return. And they lived for Jesus and solely for Jesus. Friends, this is what it means for us today to be Christians. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to thank you for this passage. We do pray that you would help us to to live for you, not live for this world. Help us to turn from the idols that tempt us and help us to live uh, and wait for Jesus' return to save us from the wrath to come. And we thank you in his name. Amen.